Welcome to Preach the Word Podcast. I'm your special guest host, Chad Everett. Today's message is delivered to us by Pastor Shad McDonald on March the 20th, 2022. Pastor McDonald set sail from Isaiah chapter 6, verse number 1, with a sermon titled, Nothing Stops His Train. Pastor McDonald puts us in Isaiah's shoes as we stand in the temple, and he points us to that high and holy King of glory, whose train, whose presence, filled the temple from corner to corner. Oh, what joy divine, knowing that no matter where we are in life, that that train, that presence, can reach to us. Please subscribe to stay up to date on all the new uploads. You can also share an episode with friends and family by hitting the share button. Thank you for listening. Chapter 6 of Isaiah, verse 1, the text reads, In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed. But understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Back to verse 1 for our scripture text. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Can the church say his train? His train train filled the temple. The Lord will stand by me. I want to label that line. Nothing stops his train. It's a scene of glory. Historically, in Israel, the king has died. 
in the year is what Isaiah says. That would have been in the 52nd year of the reign of Uzziah. His reign was second only unto David. 52 years of prosperity and success. It was as if, again, Israel was back in its golden age under the leadership of David, their most storied king. And God had gave Israel peace and tranquility and wealth and success and strength and stability under the king Uzziah for 52 years. And he was greatly helped of the Lord is what the scripture says. Imagine a king ruling for five decades. And there's no war that they've lost. There's no financial depression. There's great strength and stability. And the Bible said he was marvelously helped of the Lord until his heart was lifted up. And it was at that moment of his arrogance and pride because of what he thought was his accomplishments that Isaiah went into the temple and attempted to do the work of the priest. And when he stretched forth to do the work of the priest, God smote him with leprosy. And he went to a several house, a common house, a house of the lepers, and there he lived and died. And so that was the year that Isaiah goes to the temple. His king is dead. His God is alive. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so now we see the prophet here as he envisions this scene of glory. And the first thing I want you to note is the glory that captivated him. He comes into the house of the Lord grief-stricken. He comes into the house of the Lord burdened and overwhelmed with sorrow for his country, for his ruler, for his people. But when he gets into the house of the Lord, there's a change of scenery. And he sees the glory of the Lord. If you listen to the news, if you review the scenes of suffering and sorrow and abuse that's going on the world over, it makes one want to question, why does God allow all of this? And there's enough heartbreak and hurt in the world to just weigh our hearts down. But aren't you glad we can come to the house of the Lord and there's a change of scenery? In a world where things are bleak and barren and burdensome, when it seems like that we're taxed and we're so overwhelmed with the things of this life, when it seems like that the things that tether us and tie us and hold us back somehow keeps us from breaking into that world that really is, and that's the world beyond this world. But if I could somehow get you to look a little higher, if I could get you to turn your eyes toward heaven, I could cause you to envision and cause you to understand that while there is hurt 
And while there is heartache and there is lament and there is pain in this world, there's another world. And in that world above, in heaven on high, sits Almighty God and He rules and He is eternal. Your king may be dead, but my God still lives. <clears throat> the glory that captivated Him, the sorrow that burdened His heart. All of us know those burdens. All of us know those things, those things that we trust greatly, those things that we endear, those things that we hold to. And that's the way Isaiah was about his king, Isaiah. <clears throat> he had such affection, he had such affinity, and he had such loyalty to that king that when his king died, it seemed that all hope was lost. <clears throat> There are things in our life that are so dear to us. <coughs> there are things in our life that mean so much to us that we cannot think of a world without them. And that's what happened to this prophet. His king had died. But while there was a burden <coughs> that brought sorrow to his heart, there was a sovereign that brightened his hopes because when he got to the house of the Lord... He saw the Lord high and lifted up, sitting upon a throne, <coughs> and his train filled the temple. Now, come here now. You've got to help me, and I want you to think this through with me. He envisions a high and holy, terrible, awesome God sitting upon his throne, Imagine a king with a golden crown. Imagine a great, immortal, eternal ruler seated, seated high upon his throne. And there are flowing regal robes that adorn him. And that regal robe has a long flowing train. Come now, that word train there literally means the skirts the flowing skirts of his garment. We, we, we identify better with a wedding dress, with a long wedding gown train. I've seen them as long as from this pulpit to the back door in pictures. I've been told that some of them are several hundred feet long in countries abroad across the world. And it takes a number of people to carry them as a princess is wed to her prince. A long wedding train. A long wedding gown. The meaning of this train that filled the temple is that in this day, in this time historically, when a king would take another country, when a king would take another land and they would take the robe of that king and bring it and attach it to the robe of the conquering king. And so this robe, this train that fills the temple assures Isaiah of the strength 
and the success and the stability of his sovereign God. And Isaiah sees in that vision that though Isaiah may have died, my Lord King is still alive and his train fills the temple. There's one reference that's given by a translation concerning the glory of God. It said that these are parts of his ways. Another uh, translation is these are outskirts of his ways. Go with me to the heights of the Himalayas and see those great mountains steeped as they're topped with ice and snow. This train fills the temple. Go with me to the depths of the ocean blue and look at all the creations that he made in the deep blue sea and his train fills the temple. Look with me to the glory of the blue skies and see those winged creatures that fly in the austere blue. His glory is everywhere and his train fills the temple. And everything that hath breath should praise the Lord. He is creator God. He is the originator of all things. He is the creator God. And all things are of him, by him, in him, and through him, and with him. His train fills the temple. I come to Landmark today to tell you that there's a few saints gathered that come to worship His name. His train fills the temple. When we sing and we worship, when we raise our voice, when we clap our hands, His train fills the temple. And may I say, everywhere He goes, everything that He does, the breath in your body, the clothes on your back, the food on your table is because his train fills the temple. His glory is everywhere. <laughs> and so the world is the Lord's. Everything, the earth is the Lord's. Everything belongs to him. And everywhere he goes, we see the glory of his train. Um, I read, reread, that back years ago, there was an air condition company that began to make HVACs, and their slogan was, nothing stops a train. Train HVACs, train air conditions, T-R-A-N-E. Well, can I say concerning the Lord's glory train, there's nothing that stops his train. You know, they, the uh, train air condition company invented that sales slogan to try to make the consumer believe that what they manufactured was bulletproof. What they built could withstand anything. And they gave you the mindset that it would always run and it would never stop going. <coughs> Well, that's true perhaps in measure, but the fact of the matter is, if the power's turned off, it's not going to run at all. So I'm preaching today about the Lord's glory train, and I'm telling you, nothing stops His train. 
Mine eyes have seen the coming of the glory of the Lord. And I want to tell you, His train runs on. His train never fails. And there's nothing going to stop the glory train. May I say that truth will triumph. May I say that His word will prevail. And He is a good, good God, even when it seems like that wickedness prevails. And it seems like that iniquity triumphs. Just wait. His train is a-coming. And there's nothing going to stop His glory train. (coughs) Isaiah comes to the house of the Lord. And I want you to see the glory that captivated him. And then I want you to recognize the guilt that convicted him. For when Isaiah sees the glory of the Lord, he says, Woe is not my neighbor, not my sister, not my brother, not another church down the road, not another voting party. You going to help me while I preach? Woe is me. God's glory brought guilt to him. That's what true worship will do. When we recognize the greatness of God and we own our own guiltiness, we have to say, woe is me. See the anguish of his condemnation. Woe is me for I am undone. When you look at that Hebrew word there, the derivative, the meaning is simply this. Woe is me, for I am silent. Woe is me, for I am still. Woe is me, for I am quiet. Why? Why is Isaiah quiet? Why am I undone? Those in heaven, those seraphims, which means the burning ones... Those angels that were a flaming fire, they're chanting, holy, holy, holy. Isaiah is unworthy. He realizes his own uncleanness and he says, I am undone. May I say, friend, that when there's not an echo from earth of what's being said in heaven, there's something wrong with what's going on down here. But because heaven is worshiping a thrice holy God and saying holy, 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 they ought to something come up from landmark and say holy, holy, holy. <laughs> something up ought to come up out of your heart and say holy. Has he loved you? He's holy. Did he send his son to die for your sins? He's holy. Were you hell bent and hell bound and he delivered you from your sin and set you free? He's holy, holy because God put breath in your lungs and give you a mind to come to church, open a Bible and read his word, take a hymn book and sing a song, something within you ought to say, holy, holy, holy. The anguish of his condemnation he says, woe is me, for I am undone. And the Bible said, behold, one of them seraphims went to the altar and with tongs took a live coal from off the altar, a burning ember, and placed it upon the mouth of the prophet. See, his altar of consecration 
for his condemnation, for his guilt, for his shame, there's a live coal that the angel brings, the seraphim brings from off the altar and places it upon his lips. For everything that brings you conviction and condemnation and guilt, the answer is at the altar. The fire came from off the altar. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm so glad for a Holy Ghost fire that still burns at the altar. Does anybody agree with me, please, that fire is something you feel? You can't get burnt and not know it. I would not want a religion I could not feel. I would not want a religion that I did not know that I could have an experience in. I want something that'll get inside of me, that'll make me move. Come on here now. That'll make me raise my hand and say, hallelujah, glory. Something that'll lift my feet. Glory that'll get in my walk. Something that'll cause me to raise my hands and lift my voice and give God praise. You say, well, preacher, come now. You don't have to do all of that emotion. You'll go to your ball game and you'll scream like a Comanche Indian. Amen. Get on your television. Look on the news and see how they act at a football game, how they act at a ball game, of how they scream and chant and holler and strip off their clothes and paint their naked bodies and act like heathens all over that. Why can't I come to church and praise my God? Why can't I come to church and love on Jesus, the one that hung on a cross and died for my sins? Something makes me want to praise him. Something makes me want to love him. Something makes me want to cry, holy, holy, holy. <coughs> Hallelujah. My message today is this, the glory that captivated him, the guilt that convicted him, and then the God that commissioned him. While Isaiah is beholding the glory of God, the Lord said, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? The God that commissioned. Here's the Lord's word of concern. Who am I going to send? Who will be my ambassador? Who will be the one that will go for me. Are you willing to go? Are you willing to go to your workplace? Are you willing to go to your home? Are you willing to go to your community? Are you willing to go? And so here's the question that the Lord brings. Who will go? Who will go for us? And notice, a life's willingness to consent. Isaiah says, here am I. Send me. <coughs> here am I. Send me. Are you willing to go? That's why we're here. That's why we're here on this hill. Because there was a group of people that was willing to go. Hallelujah. And isn't it wonderful that we can gather? And while we're here, we suddenly and soon recognize and understand 
We're not here by ourselves. Because when two or three gather together in his name, the Lord says, there am I in the midst. And we readily recognize, I feel something that I've never felt before. I feel something that I've never sensed before in my life. The glory of his presence. I somehow today, <coughs> I somehow today feel the glory train moving through the house. I like what one commentator said. He said where the text there reads that his train filled the temple. He said that simply means that his, the house was filled with his glory. And you could touch the hem no matter where you were in the temple. I feel the glory train right here where I'm at. I believe you can feel the glory train right where you're at. One man who was uh, somewhat discouraged in his experience, he told the preacher, he said, it seems like that I'm hanging by a thread. The dear preacher said, that's all right. Just make sure it's the hymn of the divine. And I want to tell you here today, Landmark, this train will pull you through. <laughs> Hallelujah. Could I say if you'll get a hold of this train, this train will pull you through. If you'll get a, a hold of that glory train, if you'll say, I feel the Lord passing by. I feel the glory of the Lord passing by. And be like that woman that had that issue of blood for 12 years. She bled and she was not healed. She said, if I can but touch the hem of his garment... I shall be whole. I feel like the glory train is a moving through the house today. I feel like the glory train is moving through the house today. His presence is here. Reach out and touch the glory train. His train will pull you through. His train will pull you through the sorrow. His pain will pull you through the solitude. His pain will pull you through the problem and the predicament you're going through. Anybody want to praise him? I said his train will pull you through. No matter what you're going through. His train will pull you through. Brother McDonald, I'm going through a hard time in life. And it seems like I'm not going to make it. Yeah, you're going to make it. If you can just tag on to that glory train and get a hold of the hem of his garment, his train will pull you through. Stand with me all over the house. Father, I thank you for the reading of your word. I thank you for your presence I recognize. I thank you for your Holy Ghost. I feel near. Help someone here today to reach out and lay hold of that glory train. Help them to find the strength, the encouragement, and the help they need. Your head's bowed. I want to talk to you personally here for a moment, please. Brother McDonald, <coughs> I know that what is ahead of me, I'm not going to be able to make it on my own. But I'm going to do what you said today, Brother Shad, and I'm going to reach a hold of that glory train. And I know that his presence is going to pull me through. And so with your heads bowed, if you'll recognize what I've preached just by the upraised hand, Brother Shad, 
I need the Lord's presence to pull me through. One hand anymore, another, another, another. God bless you, yes. I'm leaning on you, Lord, your presence to pull me through. While Ambry sings, we'll have an altar. Let's gather in and seek the face of God and bring our petitions to the Lord all over the house. God bless you, everyone. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.